Ever since I was a young fella, I've always loved the outdoors with that sense of adventure calling. That adventure has become my life's passion that I love to share. Hey there, I'm Paul Burt. Come with me and let me share the experiences I've learned over the years, along with some pretty cool tips and tricks as we step outside. Step outside. And it's a big hello to everybody around this magnificent country of ours as you are listening to another Step Outside podcast. And if you saw our show today, uh, Step Outside on 7 Mate, around this beautiful country of ours where everybody can travel except for WA at the moment, is that uh, you would have noticed a gentleman by the name of Bill Hull. We've had him on the show plenty of times and he was just talking about trailer techniques, lifting your engine up, putting some you know stocks over the back rams, just a lot of different little hints and tips because... We are a nation, in particular the eastern parts of Australia, that houses more recreational registered boats than any other in the southern hemisphere per capita. We're an area of over 270,000 registered boats, and of course with that, just in Queensland, is that we see an influx of people hitting the waterways over summer. We also see a lot of tragedy happening over summer. Now, we don't like to, to talk about that, but there are ways that we can hopefully enhance and help you back home to safer boating needs. Now, we've got Bill online for today's podcast. Good morning to you, mate. How are you from Northside Marine? Yeah, g'day, Paul. Yeah, good to talk to you again. It's good to be here. You too, buddy. Mate, um, you know, when we think of professionals who know boating fraternity better than, than any other, for me, you come as number one. So I really appreciate your time because a lot of people at home, we've seen in the boating industry something we've never seen before now you've been with Northside Marine for for eons mate you, you, yeah. it's a you know the, the biggest you know dealership of many different brands up there in in Brisbane mate um have you ever come across a, a shortage of stock at the moment across the whole country I mean this is just incredible that the amount of people that are wanting to buy a boat and are snapping up everything that comes into the yard straight away yeah, never, never experienced this. Um, the sales, um, you know, obviously we're a company, I think about 56 years strong. So for a very mature business to double its turnover in two years is extraordinary for any business. And so we've seen that. I, I started as a 17 year old um, back in 1985 and, and had loved boating way before that from a, a very young, young age. I enjoy what I do and, and had, Stepped into the boat sales at Northside Marine at the age of 20 and, and probably been managing it from, from age about 23, you know, and uh, myself and Greg Nickerson, the owner of Northside Marine, and it's now grown to a dealership of um, about 36 staff we have now and we can cover over um, 10,000 square metres of land. So it's quite a big dealership, big concern. And, uh, yeah. and and we can handle with a huge volume, you know, of product coming through this place and you know, COVID last year in, in March and April, things were shutting down dramatically, you know, and as everyone knows, and you know, we have a lot of product on backwater, sometimes five, six, seven months, you know, coming from overseas. So we're extremely busy from the boats turning up and fitting up and the final stages of it and water testing and handing over. So we were busy from that side, but from a sales point of view, it, it our sales would have dropped by, you know, 70% wow. in, in March and April. And um, and then just in May, we just started to see this acceleration of sales. Now, there was a bit of confusion. Are you allowed to go fishing? Not 
uh, the go fishing and a lot of that was starting to get clarified and uh, it was almost like the only one of the things you could do essential sort of service states for the service that go fishing you know and getting on the water and obviously there was a few restrictions that you could take and and we just saw from a sales point of view uh, just an acceleration in may and, and june it became this record month and uh and then for all of the rest of uh, 2020, was just quite, you know, we'd never experienced it. And we'd go home at night and you'd hear the news and just the devastation of business and, and the government and everything. I mean, and then we'd come to work and not that we were guilty, but it was the very opposite in our world, what was happening. And, uh, yeah, and then when we came into 2021 this year and we thought, wonder what's going to happen? What, what does it look like? There was all this speculation and, and no one really knew and, January was the biggest January in Northside Marines history, you know, and, and that's usually a month that you're on holidays, the end of the month, starting to go back to work after, you know, uh, holidays and things like that. And we wouldn't start to see a lot of major sales to the following months. And, um, but yeah, it was the biggest January on record. And then February was the biggest month in Northside Marines history by wow. the millions, you know, sort wow. of thing, extraordinary. And, and this whole year, and as I said, as we speak now, and and um, you know, I think we own about four or five boats in our dealership, and um, so we so basically everything we've had is sold, and the trade-ins are sold almost instantly, and and all the boats we've got a huge volume on order for stock, and we continue to order, but we just keep selling all those production slots, you know, changing it to what people want, and then basically before they even um, uh, get here, they're spoken for. Mate, you, you you hold a, a whole variety of boats, uh, you know, within your, uh, I guess, you know, your your management of, of what you bring in from obviously, you know, Stabbycraft to Surtees, you know, mate, there's a whole variety of boats that are being taken off your hands to the public and they hit the waterways. Now, we do see a lot of people, you know, people with a lot of money, they can buy big boats, um, you know, they can buy a 50-foot boat and on a standard licence, they can be zooming up a, an inland waterway doing, you know, 25 knots with a wake that's five foot tall and crashing on the beach and knocking every kid and family off their, off their little inflatables, which happens a lot. Uh, but so it comes down to common sense that this is stuff that we see every summer, as you know. So we're seeing a whole variety of people working out that you and I have both known for, you know, since we were kids is what boating does bring to families and people in general. And I think a lot of people have finally worked that out as well to go, hey, we've got some of the best waterways in our backyard. Wherever you are around the country, we've got some of the best, you know, structures, some of the best scenery areas that you can get up there and and visit and enjoy and escape, escape what, you know, is now the norm. And that is can be quite scary if you're watching the news at 6 p.m. at night. But um, yeah. mate, t- tell me about the first things of safe boating there, Billy, is people, are, they've picked up the boat from your yard. And I know you guys, compared to a lot of others, is that you guys actually, you know, do the water test. You take people down, you show them the, 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 the inside out of the vessel, every switch, every dial, so people are accustomed to it. What is it that you actually do there for them, mate, to help them out? Yeah, so obviously we've done uh, a long time now and um, probably, you know, early years we just learned these shortcomings or whatever and probably 30-odd years ago the, the industry was a little bit immature and things and uh, and boats were also a little bit more simplistic back then. So now we've got a lot of electronics and a lot more sophistication in boats and, and obviously a lot bigger, particularly in trailable and, 
So when a product comes through, you know, we would have it already prepared. We've already water tested and detailed and, and registered and ready for presentation. And we would always have a day with the customer. And we would say, look, we need a little bit of time. And we would have the boat in our showroom. And then on that day, the salesman would spend a fair bit of time going through the running in procedure, the fuels, just a whole lot of general things, the safety things, the operation of all the equipment. And we don't sort of put a time limit on that. It's something we've, we've become quite liberal with if they have questions. Now, some people have had a lot of boats and uh, are quite familiar, so we can go through a bit quicker, but we still want to get them to understand some of the general maintenance things, safety tips, and just the understanding of the product. And we've learned when they've got that, we would just find the next week we would rarely get phone calls. They were just very familiar with the handover of the process. Obviously, they come with owner's manuals. Um, we go through that. Then if they're a little bit new or, you know, even at the moment we've got quite a large surtees with a huge amount of electronics and options on it and the guy has owned a few boats before but next Monday we're going to do a handover in the showroom but we just chose it because of the amount of stuff on there. We're going to then hook it onto his vehicle, finalise the paperwork and then we're just going to run down to the water. And then everything we've just explained, you know, we're now heads full of head knowledge. They've got all that. Now we're just going to go through the water and not talk so much but just start to demonstrate it on the water for the people. And they usually then find, ah, now I know what you're talking about. And it usually can take a little bit longer if they've never owned a boat before. Um, not so much understanding how to operate things, but just the handling the boat on the marina and on the pontoon and just anchoring just some very general things. And, um, that's, yeah, we would spend a lot of time on that. Be prepared with a boat safety kit. So we're talking about, obviously, having the right kit on board. So if you're in the estuaries or, or offshore, I mean, this is something that anyone can can easily uh, obtain if they're deciding to take their, you know, 4.3-metre tinny out from the estuaries. They're going, oh, it's a calm day. We're going to chase mackerel offshore. They've got to understand that, that if they're going out a certain distance offshore, they need an EPIRB. They're going to have to change their flare kits around. And realistically, it's probably better for those people to have an inshore safety kit and maybe even an offshore safety kit or, B, just get an offshore safety kit and that way that'll cover you for both and just keep it on board with that EPIRB. Because an EPIRB is probably one of the most amazing pieces of technology that has really enhanced boating safety these days. You know, that um, even if you're inshore in a dam and something happens, you hit a tree at night, someone goes overboard, whatever, you activate this thing and, and someone's going to come to your, to your aid. Uh, so an EPIRB for me is, is something you have on board wherever you go, not just a, you know, a couple of nautical miles offshore further. It's, uh, it's something that's pretty cool. What do you think of that, Bill? Yeah, look, safety gear, we would build all that into our packages, you know, and obviously some are inshore, but any of our larger boats, we would automatically upgrade as part of the standard boat package as an open water. So it's including the EPIRB. Um, so, yeah, that's essential, you know, doing all that. Um, we really quite strong into the, the inflatable life jackets now. Um, one, because they take up a lot of room, but more day as opposed to the old square block um, ones that uh, fulfill the requirements of the law um, but we find these other ones that something you can wear all day and for whatever odd reason if someone went over the side they're wearing the jacket it's not bulky it's not uncomfortable there are ones self-inflating or the other ones can just pull the cord but that, that's that's an important thing that we would push but we would also run through the understanding of the EPIRB you know it's a bit of a last line of resort not just if you've got flat batteries or whatever before you pull the, the trigger on it but in a, in a 
extreme emergency setting, boat is sinking or you've hit a tree or something like that, you know, that's an yeah. important thing, which was never in the past. No, and that's right. I, I also noticed that if you're running a um, yeah the, the inflatable uh, life jackets that uh, that you know blow up whether you're salt activated when you hit the water or just manual, is that um, I have for my PwC I also have a and when I go fishing by myself I've got a small uh, digital EPIRB on that attached to it. So if I go overside and and I work a mate of mine went over the side. His name was was Andy and uh, well, still is Andy. He's still around. But he fell overboard. He fell overboard off the Tweed Nine Mile, and you know, chasing Wahoo down the back corner of the boat, and a wave sort of just listed the boat the wrong way. He already had a fish on board, amazing fish from this guy Andy Wilson, and uh, mate, he went over and spent the next several hours swimming from the Nine Mile back to Cook Island, Cook Island back to Fingal, and scraped himself up badly. And it would be a horrific nightmare of an ordeal. No life jacket. So you know, fortunately, he was a very strong and able swimmer uh but you know for me no chance in the world that would have made 100 meters uh but uh mate, it's um but you know it, it's those situations and scenarios i do a lot of fishing also with my young son uh and and having that safety aspect for not only me but for him knowing that if something goes wrong is that he's he's covered you know it's uh, things can happen pretty quick and when it does happen it turns uh it turns the uh the whole show upside down in a matter of seconds we had a customer, and obviously through work over all the years, I hear all these stories. So I'm yeah. thankful I get this experience from other people. And we had a customer just recently um, offshore in quite a large boat, just fishing offshore, and had a friend who was not familiar with the boat. It was the first time he was not familiar with the boat, and and um, got some fishing line caught around the propeller. So you know they were anchored, just pulled it up, and as he was unwinding it, he fell off the back of the boat. And thankfully yeah. had a life jacket on board, the inflatable one. Was and as he said to me, it was a kind of a big deal until he realised the current was quite strong. It was yeah. calm, and he couldn't swim back to the boat. And then unfortunately, his friend not familiar with an electric anchor winter and how to start the motor. And, and something that seems so trivial, all of a sudden he started panic thinking, he's yelling at his friend, and basically his friend managed to figure out how to get the winch up, how to start the motor. Now, to a boating is elementary, but to this guy had no boating experience and managed to pick him up. And he said he'd actually drifted a couple of hundred metres. And he said, I'd never experienced that. And he said, that was a bit of eye-opener for me. So, yeah, um, yeah. And that, that, it ended well, but that was just how just a couple of little combinations that can affect it on the water. Absolutely. And also simple things like check the weather before you go. Uh, massive fan of that one, Bill. Is that we always always check the weather? Uh, fortunately, in my line of work, I, I get a, a bit of an inside scoop um, as to when it's going to be good or bad. But you know, people can work it out themselves. We do weather masterclasses around schools uh, for for Channel Seven at times, and yeah, you go in there and you teach your kids what does an L mean, what does an H mean, what happens if the H is over here, you know, what if there's an L over here, you know, highs and lows, and and. I, I sort of show the kids to say, look, you can work out because the weather is so important. It's going to dictate as to what you're going to do that weekend. Are you going to wear a jumper or a raincoat? Uh, you know, are you going to go to the beach or is it going to be windy? I mean, you can understand certain little aspects of that. And for Bodies to understand what also happens is a massive uh, saviour on, on days where it can be really pear-shaped. One, all the effort you go to getting down to the water only to get down to the ramp and it's blowing 25 knots southeast. 
<laughs> you know, and you're thinking, oh, oh, I'll still go and have a look. And you get absolutely crucified for the morning and you've wasted all your time, your fuel and your effort. And, of course, you, you feel, you, 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 <laughs> I guess your whole spirit gets left down into the dump. But when you get those nice days, you know there's a high coming through and a calm day and you get down there and it's a, you know, one knot from the southwest and you've got a afternoon nori sea breeze, you know what's going to come around the corner and that is a great boating experience. So understanding weather before you go is is super important. What about overloading a boat with people there, mate? I mean, where should people be looking on their boat as to how many packs the boat can safely take? Look, all boats now in Australia, you know, from 2006, I had to have a, a, an Australian builder's plate, even if it was an imported boat or something like that. But all boats now, going back maybe 30 years ago or a bit older, you know, they might have had a, fuel number and a uh, maximum horsepower, but not always had person capacity. Um, now, there are requirements for that now just on boat size and things like that. On the older boats, you can put a label on there. But most modern boats, particularly now from the early 2000s, will all have you know capacity labels. So if you look at that capacity label and you can see there's a weight and a person, you know, a number of persons, and the persons is normally what it is. So people always ask us about a child and less weight, can we take extra? I always say, look, it's a restriction of persons. Even if someone's yeah. lighter, that's fine. It's still six persons on the boat. So, yeah. you know, that that's always a good uh, thing to stick to that. And um, and then also, the amount of stuff you're taking, we've always got to be careful that we're trying to turn the boat into a trailer. So sometimes when people are going to the, to the island or camping or whatever, next minute they're putting barbecues and tents and a whole lot of stuff in there. And that's why even on that plate, it will make them the maximum load. So yeah. they think they're kind of safe with the six people. But they're carrying all this other weight, and just common sense. But you just something you've just got to apply there because it, it will affect um, the seaworthiness of the boat and the sea, particularly as it's getting rough, getting under the plane, and things like that. That overloading can just make a little bit of trouble. So uh, uh, even though it seems common sense, that just someone new may not be aware of it. How dramatically can affect um, the handling of a of a vessel. And that can also, uh, you know, weight moves, doesn't it? Like if, you, if you're if you listing left and right and you see that on some of the YouTube clips from ships, you know, we're talking boats that are 400 and 500 feet long and the dining room tables in the local a la carte or smallest board restaurant are going 50 feet from one side of the boat to the other and everyone's hanging on for dear life. So imagine that on a, on a you know, say a, a six or a seven metre boat, even smaller, is that, you know, weight moves when the boat lists and, and that can that can also lead to overturning situations when, you know, you haven't strapped everything down securely. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Particularly securing things. Yeah, Paul, as you mentioned, that's always a very important thing that just if you do get in rough to keep conditions, mm. if you're leaving one of the islands or something like that where it's calm, you're going to be running across the bay or open ocean, you know, it's going to be rough. It's good always to secure everything. I've always just found from a, a young age, I'd, I'd like the boat in order. You know, we might have yeah. been fishing or doing whatever. Just always through the day, I just like everything back in order. You know, packing yeah. in, you might have dive gear or whatever. I've just always learned to spend five minutes, just get everything away. If there was an emergency or something like that, the whole boat's in order. You know, we're not yeah. running around, the whole thing's a mess. So, yeah, yeah and securing the loads, ice boxes, things like that are very important. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, that's the other thing I've noticed. I keep a stand-up paddleboard on the boat as well because if you want to get in close to a to a beach or anything like that and you don't want to, you know, you don't want to take the, the paint off the skeg of your engine rear, Bill, 
we can uh, you can uh, put the, the sand up paddle board on and quickly pump it up and and go into the beach and enjoy without getting uh, wrecked because uh, you know you can become uh, high and dry really fast as you were just saying you know things can can happen quite quickly and that is tidal movement so that's another thing that people should be aware of as a as a skipper or a captain or even someone on the boat is speak up and if you notice something that someone else is not noticing, because maybe the skipper or captain's got his eyes on the prize of getting to a place and looking around, yeah, they can be pretty stressed out. But, um, you know, if someone else on board is just going, oh, the tide's running a bit quick here, we're running out, we might lose a bit of uh, a bit of water here and we'll be high and dry for the next, you know, six or eight hours, is to, uh, to, to work out as a group that things can happen quite quickly and uh, you'll, you'll make a better day. What about harmful fumes, mate? I mean, um, now that a lot of engines these days are, are four-stroke, is that something that we should be worried about with outboards and cabins of fumes getting into the cab? Look, it's something we need to, to watch, um, but most cabins are open, you know, that type of thing, are always good ventilation. Uh, so the fumes, you know, uh, I started my career in the industry when it was all two-strokes. Um, so I remember the days we used to go out in the, the Whitley cruisers and they had full camper covers and, and the two-stroke motor, even if they were new, if they'd been sitting around for a while, they would just be very fumy and the full canopies would be like a station wagon effect. It would just suck the fumes into the boat. So my early career was just two-stroke smoke throughout the boat and customers say, is this normal? No, no, this is normal. This is boating. It's lovely. And I kind of look back now and I think if I had to experience that today, I think I'd be horrified and uh, yeah. But we used to open up the front hatches and the front clears and would blow all that smoke out and that too smoke. And once the motor got running in and got up to speed, you know, it wouldn't be as bad. But, but nowadays with four-stroke, things are dramatically better, you know. But yeah. it, have ventilation is always important, particularly on the cabin cruises. So, um, yeah. yeah. Um, and common, common sense prevails on water, doesn't it? I mean, again, you know, it's one of those things where you talk to the party on the boat who you're with about certain things. So if you see a boat, in particular jet skis, like I, I, I drive a PwC when I want to go fishing, certain areas, whatever it might be. But knowing that you can, it's like a diver and a fisherman. If you're not doing the other, you dislike the other. Okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and if you're a, a, a PwC jet ski rider and you're a boatie, when you're a PwC rider and you're in front of a boatie and you're, you're left and right and you're turning, you're flicking the bum out, you're not looking behind you and the boat can keep going on his track and next minute the jet ski cuts in front because, you know, they've got no idea. So, you know, understanding, I guess, what people are doing and that common sense on the water, no matter what watercraft you drive, is going to be a, a, a good thing at the end of the day to understand that, you're not going to get into put into danger. You're not going to ruin someone else's trip by getting run over yourself or you running over someone else. Yeah, obviously, yeah, that, well, as you say, that respect on the water is critical. And I do find that um, as customers get on the water, there is a freedom, you know, they, they tend to be a bit more relaxed. Um, how they would drive on the road and then mix them up in the water, they're very casual and there's always something that, you know, people notice when they're new to boating, everyone waves to each other. Yeah, we you do. would never wave in the shopping centre. You wouldn't wave to each other. As soon as you're on the boat, and I've had friends who have been non-boaties come out, they can't help. There's this freedom. They're sort of caught up in it all, and they're just waving to someone else. And these people, they just wave back, and, and it's amazing. So there is a, a, a different freedom and a relaxedness. And, and uh, I suppose we do a lot of running at the northern end of 
Wharton Bay. And so when we run out of there, there's a lot more open space and all the rest of it. And so whenever we're doing deliveries of new boats onto the Gold Coast, the broad water, yeah. all of a sudden I need to keep my wits about myself. And yeah. there are more sandbanks, there are beacons everywhere, and there are boats, big, small, the broad water running through the seaway surface. And all of a sudden, I got to pay attention. It's like this frightened cat caught on the road or something like that, it feels like. And so those times there, my sense is kind of heightened because of the traffic. And, and going back 30, 40 years, it's not so bad. But nowadays, that traffic. So when we get into these more tighter spots and now, particularly Christmas holiday periods, that type of thing is very crucial to be very conscious and respectful of everyone around you. And, and I've always learned, just don't always trust them the other. You know, you're the skipper of the boat. So even if they're new to it or someone else is there not sure, just don't assume that they know. You're the skipper. If you need to slow down or get out of the way, you make that decision, you know. So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. And that, that's the other thing is when you are crossing a bar is don't sit right at the bow. If you're in a, even a bow rider or something like that, don't go right at the bow when, you, when you're going over a bar or something. Get down into the central midship of the boat or stay down the back end and uh, you'll find it's a softer landing. And, of course, you're not going to get flicked out of the front there like a catapult. I've seen that happen a few times. <laughs> It's not a good, not isn't a good outcome. The mother, the mother and law seat or something, isn't that the front of the front? <laughs> but absolutely. <laughs> no, I, 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 used to, I used to recall my mother and law, every time we go out, she'd sit on the back corner of the boat, she'd go, I'll just sit here out of out of everyone's <laughs> way. There's the best damn fishing spot in the corner. You know, the back end. Yeah. <laughs> right, you can stay there, no worries. <laughs> I'll, uh, you can well, catch, I love, you can catch I, a couple. Yeah, well, I love my mother-in-law, so I wouldn't put up the front, as you said, yeah. No. The worst seat in the boat. Absolutely, so, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. But, mate, it's, you know, boating is, is a lot of fun, and, and there's just the little simple things of, of when you're towing your boat, make sure your boat's tied down. Even if you're just going around the corner, you know, it's not hard to, to whip out of a corner and the boat's flicked off or anything like that. Just, you know, safety aspect is, is huge. And, of course, your navigation lights. When you are underway, your port and starboard light, your all-round white light, only have your all-round white light on when you're, when you're at anchor. Isn't that right, Bill? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah just the 360 light on. And, and, um, but just that checking. And I, I think I was probably drummed into me as a 17-year-old when I started working at Northside Marine. And just safety change. When I'm, if it's a trailer or boat hooking on to the trailer, just checking it. So... For me, it's been all these years, but I suppose because of good habits from day one, and um, you know, just by just habit, I just do that. Same with a boat when we're doing water testings and we're in boats all the time. I just have a habit to walk around it. The bungs, the checking, you know, just a whole lot of things. The motor, batteries. It's just a habit of just I, almost in my mind. I go through as if I was doing a water test. You know, I'm about to put the boat on the water. So just through my mind, I just run through that whole process, and then I'm familiar. So when I'm at the boat ramp or at the marina, I'm not panicking. I'm not caught off guard because I've already gone through all the inspections. I just know where everything is. Everything's good. So when I got there, there's no surprises, you know. And and if there is something, I've, before I leave the dealership or I leave home, I've, I've been able to check it. And then if something's out of water, I've been able to put it in place. So, uh, yeah. and that, so the checking is always important. Absolutely. And it can be a little bit um, – you feel a bit out of place when you're trying to – you know your 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 ways of, of checking the boat. Like you said, it's drummed into you, same as me. But then if you get someone else who wants to try and help, they go around the boat and they might undo a strap and, and you know what I mean? It sort of throws a spanner in the works. Is you like I like to do things myself, only because I know yeah. it's done. And if something goes wrong then I blame myself. So that that's that's one thing that I, I did learn. And the other main important thing for all the boaties out there is just before you leave home and you, you leave to the ramp. 
just give the engine a bit of a kick over because you yeah. don't want to get down there and you've got a flat bloody battery. That is the worst. <laughs> oh, and the other thing, Bill, I'd have to say is uh, VMR or Coast Guard. Become a member of both of those volunteer marine rescue groups. And, uh, and of course, you know, that they're there to, to look after you 365, 24-7. And, uh, you know, you never know what's going to happen. Mistakes happen. Accidents happen. And, of course, emergencies. And those guys there are definitely there to, uh, to look after you and make your boating uh, a, lot more, uh, a lot more enjoyable. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Even if you're heading north, you know, if you're going away or a new trip to a new location, um, always good just to find out the Coast Guard, just their contact numbers, call signs, you know, the air to rescue, just familiar. You know, whoever's there, you know, so you, you can be familiar with the local place, but all of a sudden when you're going away, if you're leaving early in the morning, you think, well, who are they? You know, where are they? You know, That's so it's right. always good to just look ahead, just check who they're. Um, the voluntary services in that area and just have all the, the details on hand. And that's exactly right. Hey, Billy, mate, you're an absolute pleasure to talk to and thank you so much for your time today. Are you boating this weekend? Um, yes, we've got a 700 Surtees that we've got and, and we're just rigging it all up now sort of thing. So um, I haven't checked the weather, but uh, the spotty mackerel, I believe, is starting to turn up yep. and small numbers in Warden Bay. So uh, probably either Saturday or Sunday, we'll probably go out gentlemen's hours. Um, midday or something like that just for the afternoon session and um, the early starts knocking around but yeah that, they tend to come under the afternoon and yep. be trying lures at the schools and that so yeah just always try and do that before Christmas just get a feed of spotties always for Christmas so um, yeah this, this weekend Bloody oath mate it's going to be a nice weekend bit of a high pressure system coming across us so I can give you that the drum it's looking absolutely gorgeous hey mate thanks for your time everyone if you, of course if you want to uh, check out you know, anything boating, jump on to, of course, Northside Marines website. What's the website there too, Billy? Uh, so it'll be northsidemarines.com.au. Yep. There you go. And uh, give Bill a shout out as well. Hey, thanks for your time, everybody, today. And I uh, hope you enjoyed today's Step Outside podcast, all about safer boating over the summer break. In fact, just any time of the year if you want to get out there. Hopefully a couple of these little uh, hints and tips and tricks to help you out the next time you get out there and enjoy our beautiful backyard around this magnificent country. And, of course, we'll see you next week on Step Outside on Boxing Day. Have yourself a wonderful day, everyone. As I love to say, may your rod bend often. Mm-hmm.